Nan, we are back finally after, I don't know, five, six weeks from our long vacation and just life in general. Andy and I were just kind of talking briefly and we were joking around like I was going to make some kind of joke at the beginning, just saying like, we just can't sit here every single day and make a podcast for everybody. Uh, we have normal lives. He's trying to get married. I'm trying to buy a house. Yeah. I wish we could do one every day because I love doing this. It's just, it's hard to carve out some time in your day to sit down and do it. Yeah, especially like if we pull one out every day, people are going to expect that versus once a week. So moving forward, we did talk about this too. We're going to push this out on Sunday night. I mean, you guys can hold us to that. Uh, I mean, you can just search Evan Shortread and you'll find all my social media if you want to just blast me with the emails or messages and remind me to get one out there. And I'm sure Andy would be feeling the same way. Yeah, look me up, Andy Miller, LinkedIn, Facebook. Shoot me messages. That'll just give us more inspiration to keep bringing you guys good content to the whatever 10 listeners that we have right now. But tell your friends about it. And uh, the more listeners we get, the more episodes we'll put out. Absolutely. So this this week, we definitely want to hit on how 2020 wrapped up uh, for the home sales and how we think 2021 is going to be. We were talking about this briefly uh, and I'll kind of share my story on it and kind of tell you what's been going on here in the Wisconsin real estate market. But I mean, just to kind of start back in, Andy's pretty fresh in real estate. I've been in now almost two years and I've never seen a market like this. And when the pandemic hit in March, we had no idea what was going to happen. If we were going to be one of those jobs that were saved and like could work every day or what the deal was. But when the pandemic hit in March, it was like a complete shutdown for, I would probably say five, six weeks. There was no open houses. No one wanted to see anything. We couldn't show any listings. Uh, yeah, it sucked. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's how I got a good deal on my place. So, cause people yeah. were, there were some people out there that thought this, that the Rona was just going to drop them dead. So nobody wanted to leave. And uh, that's how we, I think we got a good deal on this place before everything started to open back up. Cause now it's the polar opposite, man. You can't, you can't get a showing cause they're all booked up at least, you know, the two weeks that I've had my license, which by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I officially have my real estate license. So I've been doing some showings with friends and uh, just kind of checking out a few places on my own, but there's literally one that hit the market like Thursday night. Um, and I wanted to go look at it Friday before I left for the weekend and all of Friday was booked and it was under contract Saturday morning. So it's, it's, it's been crazy ever since uh, everything started to open back up. Yeah. And that's kind of how the, the year end ended last year for 2020. I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers now and they were saying that year over year, so from 2019 to 2020, just in Wisconsin, it went up 22.5%. And the median literally rose to 215. Like, that's just unbelievable <laughs> to see. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm looking at my little info plate here. And this is from the MLS that actually I'm a part of. So very reliable information. Um, and this is, they kind of took a snapshot in December of 2020. So to end out the year. But new listings is up 18%, but weeks of inventory is down three weeks. So right now, even with listings up, we only have two weeks of inventory on the market given the current demand. And I believe, I think six months is like an average market, six months of inventory. Um, 
So the fact that Denver right now has two weeks of inventory. And what that means is if everybody that was about to list their house tomorrow stopped and you just had what's on the market today, they would all be bought in two weeks. Six months is normal and they would all be bought in two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's how it is here. And I was actually having that conversation with my mom earlier, who's also a broker in Wisconsin. And she, and I was kind of talking about my situation and the, the buyers that she has. And for the inventory here in Wisconsin, it's not your second time home buyers or first time home buyers selling a house. It's estates. In the last month, I sold two estates because they had to, because the parents passed away and they're both cash offers because they didn't want to wait and they closed within two weeks. So that, Literally what Andy is saying is what's literally happening here in the Wisconsin market. And it sounds like in Colorado too. When I'm yeah. looking at houses or showing houses here, I get 15 minutes to 30 minutes in a house. And if you're not out within that time frame, there's realtors knocking on the door. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I would imagine it's the same here. I've only, I've only gone to look at a few, um, and exercise my power as an agent. But like I said, that one house that I looked at, I really wanted to go see it because I thought it was, you know, very competitively priced. I've got um, a couple of our good friends are looking at buying their first home. And I was like, yeah, this could be the one, this could be the one. And I was just going to go preview it for them and couldn't get anything literally about two hours after it hit the market. I couldn't get a showing the next day and it was under contract the following Saturday. So it's not only do you have to get your butt out of the house during the showing, but if you like it, you better be on the phone you know, pulling comps as you're walking out the front door and, you know, getting an offer ready to go. Well, and that's the thing with right now, like when you're running with buyers right now, or even having a listing, you have to be like, you have to be a hundred percent ready to go because we have a short amount of time. You don't get to think about it anymore. Like you used to be able to show a house and give them a couple of days to think about it since it's one of the biggest purchases of their life. And now it's like, well, we showed it at five o'clock to presenting offers at eight. So what are we going to do? And that's not writing it for asking anymore. That's writing it for five to 15,000 over. Yeah, that's crazy. And I know, Evan, we were talking about before we started recording the one house that I saw the other day. So market out in Denver is still a little more expensive than Wisconsin, um, especially in the Denver metro area. But it was, we, there was a house, I want to say three bedroom, two bath, about 2,400 square feet, right? So pretty standard, you know, kind of a starter ranch home in Wisconsin. It was listed for $850,000 and it sold for $940,000. So it went for 90,000 over asking. That's how competitive the market is right now. <laughs> I feel like we're just scaring everybody that's <laughs> listening to this podcast right now. Well, but I mean, the moral of the story is you have to have all your ducks in a row and you have to be ready to be aggressive. That's it. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, it, we, we're probably scaring people, you know, it is competitive. It, it can be stressful. I've done it twice now, Evan, you've had two offers that didn't get accepted. Like it is stressful, but at the same time, you know, I also talk to people all the time and they're like, well, I'm waiting for the next price dip. I'm waiting for the next bubble, blah, 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 blah. I'm waiting for the prices to come down. And let me tell you something. Two weeks of inventory does not give the buyer any power, does not do anything but increase prices. Like, so if, you, if that's what you're worried about, you know, there's a, a lot of investors out there will tell you there's two um, great times to buy real estate. The best time to buy real estate is yesterday and the second best time is today, right? Because you're always going to go on Zillow and be like, oh my God, this house sold for 200 grand less in 2003. But, you know, that's 20 years ago. Times have changed. Yeah. Money's cheap. 
you know, the feds are clearly trying to force inflation right now um, with all the stimulus being pumped into the economy prices for overall things are just going up right steadily. But um, the housing market is definitely outpacing average inflation right now. So if you can get in a house, it might be worth 10, 15, even 20% more next year. Right. So if you're buying, what would you say? Like $370,000, it's kind of the medium price. Yeah. Like shoot, I'd take an extra 30 to $40,000 in equity to live. Yeah. And that's how I am too. And that's what people, I love having conversations with people that are always going to say, well, the market's going to crash just like, oh wait, or the, the bubble's about to happen. It's just like, but money is so cheap. Like you said, Andy, and every year money's just going to inflate. That's just the nature of the game. Like, yeah, this is as sad as it is. Like, this is the new norm. It probably is not going to stay as competitive as this for long, but what the price is for the house, it's only going to keep going up. It's not going to go down. Yeah. And the other thing that bugs me, the price of the house only matters two times in your life, right? The day you buy it and the day you sell it. So if you can afford it now and you're doing it smart, right? You're not buying the maximum that you're pre-approved for. You're not, you know, if you're paying $1,500 a month in rent and you're still living a comfortable life and you can get a mortgage for about that same amount a month, um, especially if you're younger in your career, you know, you're going to probably be making more money as time goes on. I know times are uncertain right now, but hopefully long-term you're going to be making more money. Then how much your house is worth really doesn't matter. Yeah. It sucks. If you lose some equity that maybe you're going to tap into or whatever. Um, but I mean, shoot, you could buy game stock, right? It could go up to 300 bucks and then it could crash back down to a dollar. I don't know. Like the stock market's just as uncertain. So trying to time the market and, you know, look into your crystal ball to me is silly. Um, if, I mean, rents also typically hold strong despite what, you know, home prices are doing. So worst case scenario, if you're underwater on your house, rent it out. That's what I would do even if I wasn't underwater on it because I love people paying my mortgage, building equity for me, getting tax advantages from it and building passive income. So as long as you're okay, you can be flexible and not worry about worst case scenario in a home right now is just as good a time as any. Right. And I, I mean, I get the whole idea of like when people get upside down and stuff, obviously with the market, but at the same time, I don't feel bad for people that get upside down because I mean, I should probably backtrack because someone would get offended by that. <laughs> but I'm just saying like, it, your house is what you put into it. So you could move, you could look at the house and get the house or whatever, close on it and say, yeah, I'm going to finish the basement or I'm going to put a new trim or paint the walls in five, 10 years pass and you haven't done anything. So like, how did you add equity to your house besides your neighbors making theirs look nice? Like you have to keep your house looking like your neighbors to keep the value. Like sure, yeah. in hot markets like this, anything is going to sell at a high price. But if you want prime dollar, you got to put in sweat equity. And sometimes people don't know how to do sweat equity, so hire it out. At the end of the day, it's going to pay itself off. Right. Yeah, and you know we're living in the digital age. It used to be much harder to call a contractor, have them come out to your house, give a quote, whatever. But nowadays, like I use Thumbtack. If any of you are out there. And you do own your house, you know, way to go. You have a small project that comes up, Thumbtack, Angie's List, um, Home Advisor, all those are really easy ways to reach out to contractors. You like say you're trying to get a new countertop put on, take a picture of your countertop, give them an approximate size, and just say, Hey, can I get a ballpark number on this? So, yeah, it's going to be you know, thousand bucks to replace your counter. Okay, can I afford that? What's it going to do to the value of my house? What are the 
you know, if you look at comps on Zillow or whatever, um, or if you're working with an agent that can help you pull comps, you know, what, what kind of counters do those houses have? So as long as you're smart about it and everybody sits on their phone for four or five hours a day, anyways, you might as well Google something useful, like how to pay a contractor, how to vet a contractor, how to add value to my house. You know, it's, it's, it's hard and it's intimidating. I think, especially to first time people, because yeah, a $370,000 loan, that's, that's a lot of money. Like you're committing a lot of money, a lot of your credit to this one, hopefully asset, but um, as long as you treat it right and you do things smartly, you should be able to make money on it. And at the very, very, very least break even to a point where, you know, you're definitely saving money versus renting. No. And I a hundred percent agree with you. And that's where I was trying to get at. Like, I don't feel bad for people that don't try. I mean, like you said, we live in this dig digital age where things are essentially easy. Like you can yeah. find anyone, you can go on YouTube, you can listen to podcasts, you can do pretty much anything to fix anything that's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Just be a doer. Take it, take a chance. What's the worst case scenario? You buy a house today and tomorrow it's worth 50% of, you know, what you bought it for. That would be the absolute worst case scenario, which is incredibly unrealistic. Right. So then you go from there. I mean, next worst case scenario, you own a house. And that's a cool thing to say. That's something to be proud of. Pride of ownership is definitely real. You can paint things, you can build things yourself, you have more space, you have the equity, um, you get the tax advantages of writing off your mortgage interest. You know, there's just, and if it goes up in value, it's your primary residence. And if you sell it, you make money, you don't have to pay capital gains on it. That's awesome. I hate paying taxes. So any, anytime I can get out of doing that, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we just ranted for the last 10 minutes on this whole process, but I mean, just open your eyes, people. It's just, everything is out there. If you want to be aggressive, you got to, you got to have the right people in your corner at this time. I mean, that's just the name of the game with it right now, but I don't know. I just, I get so fired up about this. I, yeah, dude, and you, you nailed it on the head right there. Like if you're intimidated, if you're scared to do this, I've, I definitely was when I bought my first house, man. I listened to the Bigger Pockets podcast, learned what house hacking was, and I just was like, okay, I'm just going to meet people and ask as many questions as possible. I met with like six different agents that own properties. I sat down for like a 30-minute intro to investing with another agent here in Denver that I still keep in contact with, and we probably ended up, it was supposed to be 30 minutes. It was like a four-hour meeting. I have like a 15 page notebook of stuff that I wrote down from it. So if this is something you really want, it is doable. You just got to put in a little bit of work and go get it. Um, and if you're not necessarily doing it as an investment, you know, you could still talk to your agent and say, Hey, look, you know, we have our budget that we got to stick to things are competitive. What can we do to be competitive? And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe they say, Hey, look, well, if you want to be competitive, let's get a bigger down payment saved up, save up for three more months. Not ideal but that's a small sacrifice to make to eventually buy your dream house. So you just, you got to think outside the box. Don't just think, okay, I'm going to call my agent. My agent's going to put in an offer and it's going to get accepted. If it doesn't, my agent did something wrong or whatever, or there's nothing I could have done. Like think, well, what could I have done? Somebody else bought the house for a reason. Well, okay. They offer more money. Why? Or, you know, could they get approved for a better loan or whatever it is? Um, so just stay flexible, stay diligent. And if you want it bad enough, you'll get it. And if you don't want it bad enough, you know, nothing wrong with that, but you just can't be one of the people sitting on the sidelines saying like, Oh, I'm going to wait for prices to dip or, 
yada, yada, yada. You, you'll always have an excuse not to buy. You'll always have an excuse, but surround yourself with the right people, figure out how they're doing it and just, just go get it. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. Evan Troy and Andy Miller, your next keynote speakers. <laughs> yeah. Rant over. Yeah. Right. Drop the mic. I mean, I'm not going to drop this mic. It's going to make a loud noise, but yeah, we pay good money for these things. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just something that we wanted to share with you guys. We know it's already February, but after they crunch all the numbers and then the year out, I just got all these numbers a couple of days ago um, just cause they have to tally up everything. But uh, I think moving forward, Andy and I kind of talked about, we definitely want to hit on a series of home buying process. We kind of talked about it in one of our earlier podcasts, but we definitely want to nail down, I don't know, like a seven or eight step process and yeah, really sure. hold your hand through the whole thing because that's one thing that I struggle with because I see the bigger picture and I go about a hundred miles an hour when I do things. And that's kind of where I lose a uh, connection with my buyers at least is because I know what it is and I know what I'm doing and people only buy two to three homes in their life. So this is something that's going to be new for me, but I'm definitely willing to uh, definitely take baby steps. So it helps more people down the road. If you work with us, if you work with anyone else, I mean, if you're meeting with a different agent, just say, yeah, we heard Evan Shorey and Andy Miller talking on a podcast. They're both realtors. If you want to send them a referral fee, um, That'd be great. I mean, you can just reach out and send me my email. Come on, Andy. Yeah. That was funny, dude. That's free money. Yeah. No, dude. Just... I think it's a great idea. Yeah. However, I have to correct you. I'm not technically a realtor. So I'm only a real estate agent. Slight difference. I just didn't want to pay the 600 bucks to sign up this year. So I might do it next year. But... So yeah, I'll pay Andy to mow my lawn <laughs> for compensation. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That's, that seems, that seems very fair. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to your dose of real estate. Uh, I mean, I'm so jacked up to be back on this and yeah, dude, this is, this has been fun. Work everything out. So we will see you all not physically see you all, but I'll be watching the analytics and uh, we'll see you in the next podcast. Yeah. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening and tell your friends about us. <laughs>